Have you ever felt like giving up, quitting, throwing in the towel? Welcome to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. She's an author, health coach, and motivational speaker. Backed into a corner multiple times in her life, Carol shares with you stories on how she overcame some of the toughest obstacles a person can go through in life, but refused to give up hope. Rather than admit defeat, an opportunity was presented, and it involves each and every one of you. Carol will feature spectacular guests who will share their messages of hope, encouragement, and their inspiration to prove why life's adversities only make you stronger. And now, welcoming the host of the show, here's Carol Graham. Welcome to Never Ever Give Up Hope. This is a show about people who have done that, who never gave up, no matter what. Many of my guests have survived incredible circumstances. And as a result, and this is the exciting part that I see happening as a pattern over and over again, people who have, ex- have gone through much have a passion to help others who may be going through something similar. And so that's the purpose, that's the platform of the show, to share what you've gone through and then how you became successful and how you are sharing that story to change other people's lives. And that's that's the uh, uh, paying it forward in, in life's whole scenario. Many of my guests have ex- survived extreme poverty, they've survived abuse, some have had to overcome illness or huge weight gain or serious depression, mental issues, family issues, financial issues, and this show gives them the opportunity to share their stories. And so I'm so pleased to have each of my guests And without the listeners, we wouldn't have a show. So you're just as important to never, ever give up hope's success as the guests are. So I thank you for being here. Today we have Orly Amor. She is a professional public speaker. She is a business coach for public speakers, a certified behavioral analyst, who teaches people how to close the deal. I love that. And she's a best-selling author of The 12 Powers We Hold Within, The Ultimate Paradigm Shift. Orly has also an MBA and a law degree, and she has helped public speakers create their business model for public speaking. I think that she's probably unique in that, and I'm sure she'll touch on that. I haven't heard of many other people who do what Orly offers. And she shows people how to monetize their craft through what she has labeled business in a box for public speakers. Now, these are two very different things that we're going to, to talk about today because Orly also has had to overcome some pretty big hurdles in her personal life before she could make the impact 
that she has on the lives of millions of people by helping them realize their own mission-based goals and their dreams. And the story she shares, I absolutely guarantee you, is going to be an inspiration for everyone. So welcome, Orly. Well, thank you so much for having me, Carol. So let's start with one of the big hurdles you had early in life. And you had to overcome a huge weight gain. Could you share that story with us? Yes, of course. And as you know, Carol, everybody has a story. It's not, um, it's not uncommon for people to go through hurdles. But the way that I like to share my story is to tell you what happened and what led to what I did for the, um, the 12 Powers We Hold Within book, okay, which okay. the story is in there as well. But it would lead up to it so that people understand why they also need to share their story. And I encourage that. Because in the act of sharing, there's contribution, and you just never know whose life you're going to change. And that's why I love your show and, and what you are about. Thank and paying you. it forward is definitely what we all should do. Absolutely. <laughs> right? um, so I was in property management for a very long time, and I was speaking all over the country, networking. I, I owned a very, very successful business. And one day, one of my girlfriends who knew my personal story said, you know what, I'd like you to come and speak at my women's shelter. And I said, what do you want me to talk about? And she said, well, I want you to tell your story. And I'm like, no way, no, no way I'm doing that. I am not ready to share my story. She said, yeah, but Orly, you have to. I'm like, no, 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 I do not have to. I do not want to. So for three weeks, every single day she called. Are you going to do it? Are you going to do it? Are you going to do it? Becoming super annoying. And you know, like when there's people that are just undesirable, you don't want to take their phone call anymore. (laughs) So finally, I take her her phone call and I say, listen, Liz, what am I, what is it that I need to do to have you stop calling me about this? I told you no, and enough is enough because I'm about not to answer your call. And she said, well, just, you know, say yes. I said, okay, answer my question. Why do you want me? There's many other people that speak on the subject matter. Why do you want me to go? And she said, well, you know, you're like a networking queen. You're, you're a social butterfly. You're very successful. And, you know, a lot of people dream to have the life you have. And everywhere you go, people love you and hug you. And, and you're just super cool and whatever, like a social magnet that she, that she called me. And I'm like, okay. And I said, okay, well, that, has not, that still does not tell me why me. She's like, she's like, okay, well, because I know your story and you should give hope to other people. Uh, I said, all right, what will it take for you to stop calling me? She said, well, just say yes. So I said, all right, fine, I'll do it. <laughs> and um, about three weeks later, and I hired a coach for this because at the time I was not a motivational speaker. I didn't even know anything about it. I followed other total motivational speakers all over the world, but... I never thought of doing it myself. Uh (laughs) So finally, uh, long story short, I'm at the women's shelter and giving my talk. There were about 170 people there, including the staff and and the attendees. And after I was done speaking, there was not one dry eye in the place. Uh. And when I got off the stage, something really, really unbelievable happened. At the same time, it was life-altering for me. Um, as I told you, I've been speaking about property management all over the country, so I never really thought about what I was about to do. 
And unlike in property management, people would come to me usually and ask me questions. In this circumstance, when I got off the stage, people would come to me, women will hug me and thank me, thank you for sharing, thank you for giving me hope, thank you for, you know, for, for, for just being here. And it was thank you, thank you all around. And people hugging me and crying on my shoulder. And then one woman walked up to me and she was crying profusely. And I'll tell you my story in a minute because it's very, I'll do it very shortly. But my, my point was that this woman came up to me and um, she was crying so profusely that she was hyperventilating. And I really wanted to just oh. calm her down. So I said, honey, you got to calm down, please. She's like, no, you don't understand. I said, no, I do understand. Sweetheart, you got to breathe. She's like, no, you don't understand. And as we were going back and forth, everybody around us was kind of listening in, quieting, quieting down. You, you, you can understand what was going on. And you can imagine. So back and forth, she's like, no, you don't understand. And I said, no, I do. We all understand. And then all of a sudden, she yelled at me, no, you don't understand. And I was so taken aback. I have goosebumps telling you this, by the way. And I was so taken aback because it's something that I've never uh, experienced before, as you know uh, now, that that was my first time basically in motivational speaking kind of a thing. And so she takes out a piece of paper out of her pocket and she shows it to me and points at it with her other index finger. And she says, you see, I was not supposed to be here today. I was going to kill myself this morning. This is how I was going to do it. And you see here? That's not where I was going. I, in fact, I don't even remember how I drove from my house to the shelter. I have no idea how I got here because that's not where I was going. And she shows me that piece of paper, and I'm like in total shock. I don't know what to do. She was going to kill herself. But she says, but I heard you speak, and I want to live. I just need you to show me how. And let me, Carol, tell me tell you, Carol, at that moment, that yes. exact moment, my life went 180. And why is that? One is that I, it, it's not like I said, wow. I was like, oh, my God, I just saved a life. <laughs> and, then, and then the second thought was like, well, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. If that's what my story does, then I want to do this perpetually. I don't want to, you know, and so my story is I'm going to do it in a very short period of time, meaning I'm going to give it to you in 18 seconds. And the reason being is that I'm pretty much over it. I just want to use it to in- inspire others. And I-, I don't know what their circumstances. It could be worse than me. Um, it, you know, it's not a competition. It's just that we all are going through something. Uh-huh. And we're all going through. We might be going through something right now and nobody would know. You know what I mean? And, and that's everybody. So I was, uh, I was a beaten up child. I was uh, molested four times before the age of 14. I was raped three times before the age of 22. Twice I was gang raped nine months apart and I was left for dead. And um, I was married to a very abusive husband, both mentally and physically. And I gained, I had four abortions and I gained a morbid amount of weight. I was 428 pounds with my heaviest. Wow. Now, since then, of course, I had, I lost 231 pounds. Still working on it. <laughs> but at the same time, and, and, and my story is not no different than anybody else's story. We just live it in a different way. You know, it could be that somebody got raped five times. But my point here is not a competition. It's the way we live through things. Yes. My goal was not to let, to relive those things. And I think that my speech at the women's shelter was more about don't relive it in your head. You know, don't let your, uh, your, your aggressors have that power over you walk away from that 
and you'll be much better for that, you know. And, and then I gave them a little pointers on how to overcome certain things. What was your Anyways, turning point in your own life? For me, in my own life, um, it was that I was not going to let them have the power over me. I did not want to be the victim. I just want to be a victor. And I, 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 I swore that I will not be um, what I felt like after uh, those events. So there wasn't anything, so, like one thing in particular, where there was a pivotal moment? It's just that you came to that, that decision enough? Well, you know, I went to the Tony Robbins things and to the other um, speakers and seminars and read the books and did all the, all the things that people are doing to better themselves and self-improve themselves. But I, what I learned was that if I don't let go, if I don't make that decision, then I will be perpetually reading books and going to seminars. Right. And that was my pivotal point. I'm not going to continue doing that. What had happened is that I am, I, I love Tony Robbins and I love everything that he ever did. And I was a groupie. So I used to, uh, yeah, I, I, really, I was, uh, so what happened was that I went to San Diego, California to a Tony Robbins event. And as, as usual, I always met nice people at these events. And, and uh, 10 days later, I was in Paris, France at a Tony Robbins event. And I walk into the auditorium and I see the same people I met in San Diego 10 days ago over there. And the first thought in my mind was, what the heck are they doing here? And the second thought was, what the heck are you doing yes, here? You know, exactly. like, didn't you get the memo? And then that's where I felt that, oh, my God, I am a groupie, you know. Maybe I'm already healed and I don't need to go to all these places. What I do need is to maybe implement more of the stuff that I've already learned, which I was doing. It's just that maybe I should just go back to that. So I went back home and I met with one of my mentors. And he, he, he said, how are you? And I said, well, I don't know. I don't even want to go to these seminars anymore. I think I've had it. And I told him the story about San Diego and, and Paris. And, he, and I told him, I said, I think that what's missing is something that has to do with the brain. And I'm going to study that. And then when I'm done, I'm sure I'm going to create a program that's going to be able to change people's lives instantly. Not, they don't have to go to a lot of seminars. I don't, I don't, I don't condone seminars. I think they really help because you're a part of a community of people who want the same thing as you, yeah. but the energy in the room is what we feed on. It's the adrenaline. Yeah. And I love that part, believe me. But at one point or another, where do I know that I've done it, that I'm, I'm healed and I know what I'm doing and I know what my brain is doing? And so I created a program with Mindset Mastery. And I, six months later, I went to my mentor and I said, I have it. I, I think I have a good program. He said, okay, bring it to my house tomorrow morning, 8 o'clock in the morning. And I'm like, okay. So he's pretty old and I had to print it out. This was over 10 years ago. And I had to print it out. So I stood up all night and printed the whole thing out. And then I brought it to his house the next day. Um, giving it to him on his desk, and I didn't think he was going to read it. I thought he was going to just peruse through it and ask me some questions, but I, this did not, I was not prepared for what was about wow. to happen. So now he's reading it, and it's 8 o'clock in the morning, and the next thing he puts it down, it's 10 a.m. It's two hours later. I've been sitting there the whole time doing nothing but waiting on his, and, and you know, at the edge of my seat, basically, <laughs> waiting for him to, to give me his blessing, you know? And after he finished reading, he put the thing down and he said, all right, 
I have a few questions for you. I'm like, go ahead, shoot. My adrenaline went went back up. I'm all fired up. Go ahead, tell me, tell me, tell me. And he's like, okay, well, how did you come up with this? What if, what if, what if? All kinds of questions all through the day. And then one on one moment he says, well, do you know what time it is? And I'm like, in my head, I was like, what does that have to do with anything? Okay, I look outside. I'm like, I don't know what time it is, but it's kind of dark outside. So I'm imagining that it's evening. He's like, Orly, it's two o'clock in the morning. I'm tired, and you must be tired. He's like, but if you, I, all I wanted to do all day is to knock your program down because I wanted you to say, oh, I'm going to have to revisit that. I'm, I'm going to go check that or whatever. But you answered all my questions with assertiveness and knowledge of exactly what I needed to hear. So if you came here for a blessing, then you have my blessing. It's a good program. Oh, my goodness. Now, who was this again? Refresh, refresh that. A developer. He's a multi-billionaire, and he was my mentor. Okay. Um, okay. His name is Sir Martin. And um, and so I was driving home from his house. It was like 2.30, 3 o'clock in the morning at that point. I'm driving home, and I am crying profusely. Well, I guess the adrenaline just dropped off of right. my body, and, you know, the emotions are coming out. So I had to pull over because if not, I would have gotten into an accident, and I was crying so much. Anyways, I left that thing on the shelf for six months. And finally, I told one of my friends in New York about it. And he said, you know what? In, in Florida, everybody knows you're in real estate. So if you start talking about coaching people on Mindset Mastery, it might not, be get, you know, might not get accepted so quickly. Why don't you come to New York and we'll introduce you to some business owners and you can teach them your program. And I'm like, okay, great idea. How about, what is it, Manhattan? He's like, no, Brooklyn. I'm like, Brooklyn? Oh, my God. Because every. All I've ever known about Brooklyn is what I saw in movies, you know, drugs, mafia, you know, <laughs> fight. What do I know about Brooklyn, right? So he's like, no, 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 come. Brooklyn is nice now, you know. And so I came here and I met my husband. I started, uh, that's where I met my husband. So obviously I moved to New York and that's where I've been living since. And I've been teaching that program everywhere as well as now I'm certifying coaches in that program, which is oh, awesome. Oh, really? Now, yes. is, is Mindset Mastery uh, part and parcel to your book, or is this a completely well, separate? Great question. So after a while, one of my biggest clients in the Mindset Mastery, he has referred so much business to me, his, his family, his clients, and so on. Um, he said, you know, you should put some of this in a book. And at the time when he said that, I said, in a book? What do I know about writing a book? Are you kidding? And he's like, you should write a book. You should put it in a book in some way, you know, shape or form. So I had put a booklet together and he said, no, you should publish something. So I decided to put um, a little bit of the program into a book, but making it a series. So the book that you're seeing, the 12 hours we hold within the ultimate paradigm shift is the first of six books that are going to be coming out. Oh, really? So this book was launched in December 12, 2017, on um, 12, 12, obviously. And we're coming to the anniversary of that. And then I will be launching one more uh, book very shortly for that same series. Yes. It's already available on Amazon, but there will be another one. Yes. Is it a continuation of the first one or is it? It's another tool. It's another. So the next one is going to be called the 12th Statement. Okay. All right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, do you use the 12 powers to overcome or did you use to overcome your past like did you implement your program okay i want to share a little bit about that maybe maybe a Mm -hmm. couple highlights or something 
sure, that people sure. may relate to in their own lives. Mm-hmm. Of course. You know, the 12 powers that we hold within are, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a list of things that we already know and we already have inherent. So something like the power of perseverance or the power to bounce back. The power to bounce back, we all have it or to, to get back up. And what is it? Um, we've all had uh, somebody dump us or <laughs> as a relationship, you know. We've all lost a job or, or didn't get a job or, you know, right. missed out an opportunity, whatever that may be. We still came out on top. I mean, we're still here. And we sometimes take that for granted that we, our capability of just moving on is, is, beyond, is beyond just bouncing back up. It's about us being able to move on from any kind of circumstance. What my, my, uh, my vision for that power is that we don't stay stagnant where we are, where there's a disappointment or where there is a, fail, a failure. Because a lot of people think about failure. Oh, my God, if I failed at this, I am a failure. And those are very, very, very powerful words. And what we need to understand fundamentally is how the brain works, right? So let me give you a part of that before we talk about any other power, is that we need to agree on something. One is that the brain does not know the difference between the truth and a lie. The brain does not know the difference between wrong and right, and the brain does not know the difference between good and bad. In fact, good and bad and wrong and right do not exist. And now I know that your audience is probably thinking, okay, Orly, until now you had me, but good and bad and wrong and right do exist. We know they exist. And I say yes, but let's talk about it in terms of how we talk about it. Because the truth of the matter is that something may be good for me or bad for me, wrong for me or right for me. And that's the way it becomes a true statement. And the way to prove that is that, Carol, you and I, could could we say that something that's good for you may be bad for me? Mm-hmm, of course. Can we say that something that's wrong for me may be right for you? Mm-hmm. So which one of us is right? Both good. of us. That's right. Because we determine what's good for us or bad for us and good and wrong and right, right? So that's why we say it doesn't exist in the universe. It's just what it is in your universe, meaning how you make it sound. Is it good for me, bad for me, wrong for me, right for me? So if you say you say I can't to the brain, guess what? The, the brain does not know the difference between the truth and the lie. So if you say, I can't, guess what? The brain will say, yeah, you're right. That's right. It doesn't matter what you say. Your brain is going to say you're right. Oh. So we have to be very careful of our language, and that's what the next book is more about, the, fundamentally about the language that we use every single day. And, and the powers are just a reminder of something that we need to be doing, such as perseverance. How many of us have succeeded in one task or another? We have all succeeded at least in one task in our life, whether it's to go through a test in our high school year or to uh, lose 10 pounds, okay? Everybody had some kind of goal that they've reached, mm-hmm. but they've reached it through perseverance. That is, and, and that is a huge thing in our life when we want something to reach a goal or, to, or just want something. Right. I mean, I remember as a kid, my mom would never bought me anything Uh, from the age of 12. I've been paying for my own clothes, my my own school, everything. I ran away from home at the age of 14. But every time I wanted something, I used to put money away, whether it was a dollar or two or whatever, until I reached the amount of money that I needed to go buy what I wanted. 
And that's because I wanted it badly enough. And the reason we don't reach some of our goals is because we don't want it badly enough. Or we don't want to do the work for it, meaning persevere. Because there's going to be bumps in the road, right? What part do you think attitude plays? Because we sometimes have to change our attitude before we can improve in a certain area. Mm-hmm. And do you address that at all about going in? Mm-hmm. Like, Okay, why don't you expound a little bit on that? Before we get into a goal, is that what you're asking? I just want to make sure that your question yeah, is... Yeah, I'm just, I'm just kind of thinking about different people that would possibly listen to this and say, well, mm-hmm. it won't work for me, meaning the attitude. Mm-hmm. So, Oh, I love that. That is awesome what you just said. So many people and most, 99.999% of people, how's that? That's huge, right, okay. as a number? <laughs> That's a huge number because we're human. Yes. And the thing is that once we try something and we fail at it, we just assume that that's not going to work. Right? Yes. I'll give you an example. I tried um, or I started not drinking soda, right? Diet Coke. That was my biggest thing, biggest drug, if you think. It was Diet Coke or nothing, right? I didn't even drink water. Diet Coke was it. Now, when I stopped drinking it, it, um, it, it was great just for a little while, and then I started drinking it again. So in my mind, I'm failing, right, at drinking okay. Diet Coke because what I did was I tried drinking colored water or, you know, like those um, those seltzer that had a flavor yes. instead of drinking Diet Coke because it was just better. Not that it's better, better, but it was better already, as it, like a step up, if you will, yes. Diet Coke, right? Giving, uh, let's not give the publicity to Diet Coke, but this is what <laughs> it was, right? And um, and when I uh, when I changed to uh, flavored soda uh, or or seltzer, uh, people will say, "Okay, that's better." So why are you drinking Diet Coke again? And I said, "Because that doesn't work for me. The the the, the seltzer did not work for me." And that means what? Do I have to really go back to Diet Coke? That was the question. Do I need to go back to Diet Coke, or can I just try something else that will might work? So. The, the the story goes back to Tony Robbins, and I'm going to put this together for you in a minute. Tony Robbins says, if you were told that your child would not walk, would you agree with it and just give up? No. You would say, no, of course my child is going to walk. He's going to crawl a little bit, then he's going to hang on to things, and then he's going to start walking. With my help or without, he's going to walk. Great. How come? Because the child is going to persevere naturally, right? Well, we have that same power. We have the natural power to persevere. And so it's important to know that as humans, it's impossible for us to think that we tried everything. So when people say, this will not work for me, I would say, okay, start looking for something that does work for you. But in order to get to something that works for you, you're going to need to go through a few things. Excellent. Just like Thomas Edison, you're going to have to try a thousand ways to see the light bulb go on. Excellent point. You're going to make sure it does. So you've not tried everything on planet Earth, nor would I. We would probably not have enough in a lifetime to try everything, but go ahead and try until you do get to the one thing that's going to work for you. Because nothing is cookie cutter. Like I can do a diet that's good for me (laughs) and, 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 and it's going to work. And then you'll do the same diet and you'll go early. My goodness, I'm gaining weight. I'm not losing any, right? 
it's not it's not because you're doing it wrong or you're doing something that it's just not for you. So maybe you should try something else. And if that one doesn't work, try something else. And if that one doesn't work, try something else. And and so on and so on, right? So when people say this is not going to work for me, mm-hmm. I will just say you have not tried everything. Impossible. That is excellent advice in so many areas. Mm-hmm. Excellent advice. Let's switch mm-hmm. gears. And yep. talk, talk a little bit about, as a public speaker and a business coach for public speakers, mm-hmm. what is your mission and purpose, and how did you come up with this program? Um, what kind of uh, results have you had? How has mm-hmm. it helped you? Just whatever you want mm-hmm. to share in that respect. Sure. So I love sharing stories. You know that, right? <laughs> and it's kind of funny because I, I was speaking all over the world. Um, I've been to 26 countries, 19 states, and I was going into corporations as a certified behavior analyst that created a program to teach salespeople how to close the deal 98% of the time. So corporations who have 15 employees or more in their sales team would bring me in, give them a workshop all day, sometimes half a day, depending, and teaching them how to close the deal through profiling, not sales 101. I do not teach sales. So I'm not a sales speaker. I'm more of a how to close the deal through profiling. Okay. It's, uh, it's a program that incorporates uh, personality types, body language, and ego states, human ego states, not female and male. Long story short, that's what I've been doing all over the world. And so um, one day I am in Arlington, Texas as a speaker in one of the conferences. And um, during the break, I was in the break room for the speakers. We had a separate room. And these three guys came over to me, and one of them says, aren't you Orlia Moore? And I said, um, sorry, do I know you? I don't remember. And he said, no, 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 we've never met officially, but I've seen you on the circuit. I'm like, oh, phew, okay. So we introduced each other and, and, and started talking, networking. At one point, one guy says to me, so how did you get this gig? And I'm like, I don't know. I called. I told them what I speak about. They paid me, and I'm here. <laughs> they, all looked, they all looked at me like if I had three heads. You got paid? And I'm like, oops, <laughs> uh-oh, you guys did not? And they said, no, we got our expenses paid, but we didn't get paid. I'm like, oh, no, I got paid and I got my expenses paid. So they said, well, we want to know how you did that. And jokingly, because at the time I was not coaching, I said, well, you know, if I'm going to tell you, I'm going to have to charge you. And I was just kidding around, you know. So one of them says, well, you know, just name your price. I'm like, what? Okay. That is funny. I was like, I was shocked. So I said, okay, show me your speaker sheet. He's like, what is that? I said, well, it's kind of a flyer that shows what you do. And he's like, oh, you mean a media sheet? I'm like, yeah, it's not the same thing, but show me what you've got. It's all good. And Carol, he pulls out this thing. It's absolutely beautiful. It's professionally done. The shiny, glossy paper, the colors are crisp. Everything is beautiful. It's just beautiful. It really is. And I told him it's garbage. And he says, what? And I said, I'm sorry, I don't mean to offend you, and I didn't mean it in a derogatory way, but nobody really looks at this. It's actually going to the garbage. Uh-huh. And, if you're sending, and if you're sending it digitally, they hit delete before they look at your name. And he's like, I paid $600 for this thing. And I said, I don't care if you paid 1000 I actually don't care if you paid 2500 I know people who pay more. But nobody's looking at it. And in fact, let me ask you this. How many gigs have you got from this? paper and he's like nothing and I'm like okay just prove my point (laughs) 
on my way home, so we all, you know, exchange business cards and we continue talking a little bit. And on my way home back to New York, I'm thinking of a conversation that I had with my, my uh, business coach in the beginning of that year, which is 2010. January of 2010, I had a conversation with my business coach and I told him that my mission, I'm declaring a mission, my personal mission to impact the lives of 200 million people around the planet by 20, by in 10 to 20 years. And he said, 10 to 20 years, you have to put a date on it. I said, okay, I'll meet you halfway, uh, 15 years, 2025. He said, okay, you still have to put a date on it. And I know that he was looking for the 1st of January, you know, and I said, no, it's going to be the 24th of April, 2025. He said, why the 24th of April? <laughs> and I said, well, it's my birthday and I want to celebrate two things. <laughs> so, and, um, so when, so that was put out there as a mission, my personal mission to impact the lives of 200 million people by 2020, by 24th of April, 2025. And it's on my website and everywhere. Everybody sees this, right? But in June, when I was at that, um, in that conference, leaving from there, I'm on a plane back to New York. And oh, don't even ask. That, that, that trip back to New York was horrendous. It was 16 hours of delays and all that oh, stuff. And I, and I started writing down everything that I do for my business of public speaking. Um, oh. And just, and I was, really looking at this as, oh my God, maybe that's what's missing. Maybe speakers just don't know how to do the business side of things because the money is there. So, and it's kind of funny because 10 years prior to that, which is, you know, in, in 2000 or 2001, I believe, I was telling, yeah, no, it was 2002. I was telling all my friends who are speakers that the minimum wage in public speaking is $150,000 a year. And they all laughed at me. They're like, what? Are you crazy? Some of us make 70. Some of us make 80. Maybe 100. That's pushing it. But 150, you're out of your mind. And at the time, I was tripling that a year. Oh, my goodness. So I told them, okay, you guys do you, and I'll do me. And I'll just continue what I'm doing. But you guys can continue laughing all you want. And they, they, and they were still in, you know, under the $100,000, 100, you know. But when I met these guys and I had already my mission in my mind and now I'm going back to New York and this delays thing and I'm writing down the list of everything that I do for my business of public speaking right. and why am I so successful. And when I got home, I'm, I'm looking at this list and I'm thinking, wow, this is pretty good. That's a, that's a good toolbox. That's what I do every day. This is exactly what people need to know about. So I said, what am I going to call it? And I felt like it was a good toolbox, but what am I going to call it for business, for the speakers? And I, it, I didn't want to call it a speaking box because I don't teach people how to speak. I mean, they could right. be good, bad, or even it doesn't really matter. But how are they doing the business? So I called it business in a box for public speakers. That's why I called it that okay. way. And I called a couple of my friends and I said, what do you guys think? Do you think I should teach this? And they're like, oh, my God, Orly, that's like the Holy Grail. We'll hire you, too. You know, and I'm like, what? Okay, whatever. <laughs> I was not believer. I was not a believer yet. <laughs> but I did, call, I did make more um, discoveries and statistics, and I really did my homework. And what I discovered was is that, um, well, one, I've been preaching that every speaker should be making more than $150,000 a year because that's minimum wage. And then it was that I found out that there, it's a $100 billion a year industry. 
And the kicker was that it's, there are 64,000 events a day in America that pay public speakers. And actually, I just did another survey. There are more than 73,000 events a day in America that pay public speakers. That's that's changing the numbers pretty much. And we are, what, in 2000, you know, we're almost in yes. 2019 now. So um, so that took me a, a, a while to put together as far as, okay, how am I going to do this? And then I called back those three guys from Arlington, Texas. And I said, guys, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> that's exactly what I said. I don't know what I'm doing. But I am willing to teach you how to do this business of public speaking, build your infrastructure, position you in the industry, and I'm going to do one more thing that nobody else does. I'm also going to charge less than everybody, but I'm going to do one thing that nobody does in the world, and that is I'm going to guarantee to you that you will make one hundred and fifty dollars to $200,000 in your first year in public speaking. <laughs> and they all said the same thing. What? Nobody guarantees anything. How are you going to guarantee this? Come on, Orly. How are you going to guarantee? I said, okay, that's a fair question. If you do exactly what I tell you to do, and I'm going to teach you everything, the, the, the science behind it, the tracking systems, everything. If you do exactly what I tell you to do, and in your first year you do not make 150000 minimum, let's say you make 130, I'll book you for the other 20. I'll make sure you make 150 that first year. <laughs> and how did they and respond? And I know how to do it. <laughs> well, they all three hire me because nobody guarantees this on paper. It's in my contract. Right. Of course, you have to prove that you did the work. Yes. And uh, and by the way, Carol, it's been eight years, nine, you know, almost nine years now. So it's eight years. In June, it's going to be nine years. Um, in eight years and in, in eight and a half years, nobody has come back at me. I've trained hundreds of speakers. But yep. those three specifically, right now, in the past three years, uh, four, four or five years, I would say, consistently have been making three to $400,000 a year. And one of them reached $1.2 million in 2017. If you have a message, somebody is willing to pay for it. It's how you position yourself. And I'm going to tell you that most speakers, there's only two reasons why speakers are not successful or, or they're poor. There's only two reasons. One, they don't know how. And that's, we can't blame them for that. It's not their fault. They don't know how. But the second one is that they're lazy. Mm. They, don't, they, they know what they need to do, but they don't want to do the work. It's like people who want to lose weight. They want to lose weight, but they yes, want to continue yes, eating yeah. chocolate cake and McDonald's. Well, that doesn't work. Right. It's the same thing with public speaking. And we were talking about the power of perseverance. Well, you got to persevere. you got to be patient because this is a business of relationships. you got to build relationships, and then you'll get hired. But I show you how to do it, so I kind of cut your learning curve by uh-huh. 10 years. And how, um, how long this. is the course? It's 12 sessions, not 12 weeks. So a, lot, a lot of people make that misconception, right? You can take three sessions in one week for all I care. If it's available on my calendar, you can take it. So it's 12 sessions, not 12 weeks. And you, and you have me for life, meaning I hold your hand until you do get booked. I show you everything. I also build your, your, your brand in the industry because you do need a brand these days. How many motivational speakers do you know? Uh-huh. Hundreds, uh-huh. hundreds. But how do I make you stand out as a motivational speaker? So I have what is called, what I created was, it's called a niche title. And that's my superpower is how to come up with your niche title. So even if you teach the same thing as 100 people, you will still be a different name. 
And I can take a hundred people and give them a different name, each and every one of them, because it comes with their passion, not not their title, not their their niche. Meaning, uh, you know, a niche could be women or business right, owners right. or whatever, right? But a niche title is a brand, something like Nike, McDonald's. Those are brands, but they're names. When Nike started their first day in business, you did not know that they sold shoes. Nike did not mean shoes. Even the word does not mean shoes. Uh-huh. Still. Right, but right. with their brand, with their branding being marketed properly, they did become a household name, and now everybody knows that Nike sells exactly. shoes and clothes, etc. And there's a check mark and just do it and all that stuff. Same thing with McDonald's. Though that you know those golden arches did not mean burgers, right. right? But once you market it properly, and it's the same thing with the. It, this is a business. Public speaking is a business. It's, you know, can we play a game for a second, maybe with your audience and you? Sure. Awesome. So if you close your eyes and you and I are going to open a store, I want you to imagine that you and I are opening a brick and mortar, a beautiful store. We obviously need to find a good location for it, right? right. Agreed? Yes. And then we're going to need a key to the front door. We're going to need an awning with the name of the store. We're going to have a beautiful awning. We're going to have the hours of operation on the door. We're going to need a cash register probably, and we're going to need a swipey thingy for, for credit cards. Um, we're going to need a security camera or some kind of security system, right? We're going to need a bank account. We're going to need insurance for our store, yeah? Uh, we're going to need a liability insurance and insurance for what's in the store. But did I tell you what we're selling in that store? Hmm. No, right? I did not tell you what we're selling yet, right? Yes. That's the business of public speaking. If you do not have the infrastructure, nobody will buy from you. If you don't know how to market yourself, nobody's going to, t- nobody's going to know who you are. I get, I get calls all the time about people telling me, oh, you know what, I'll get back to you after I do my website. Why are you working on your website? Nobody knows who you are. Where are they going to go? Nobody knows your name. What difference would it make if you have a website or not? Have a good LinkedIn profile. Maybe that will help you better because when they look you up, you'll show up somewhere like a LinkedIn with a little bit more of, you know, references and, and testimonials and things that matter. Your website, not yet. Even if you have one, just don't work on it too much. You don't know even what your brand is yet. How about a book? Oh, you know what? When I publish my book, I'll come back to you. Why? The book is just a glorified business card. Books don't make money. People have that misconception, oh, books will make me money. Books only make money to celebrities because right, they get right. picked up by these this big publishing houses and the publishing house takes all the money. And that's how they make money. They sell millions of these books before they make money. Yes. You know, Absolutely. and of course, they're going to be paid by big companies to be spokesmodels and stuff like that. This is not where we are as public speakers. But our message needs to go out there. And our message is going to be, people are willing to pay for that message. Absolutely. That's what they're looking you know? for. Exactly. So, and, and there's a lack. There's a big lack out there for speakers, especially women speakers. Now, do you do your coaching, is it one-on-one or is it group sessions? Yes. It's one-on-one. It's one-on-one. I only take a, a few um, clients at the time because, I book myself as a speaker. I'm still speaking around the world, you know. Actually, I'm leaving tomorrow for Orlando where I'll be speaking. And then the week after, I'm speaking in Montreal, Canada. I mean, I am still speaking. And so 
that's what I want people to know is that there's only room for so many at the to- at right, a time. Right, right. You know, and so, yes, um, I love doing it one-to-one because, well, one, I, I can't niche title someone without doing it one-to-one. There's certain things I don't want to take yes. online. My business yes. coach has been hammering me over the head. You got to take this online. No, I don't. I, I still believe that the people that I am going to work with are going to do the work, are going to make me proud, and are going to help me reach those 200 million people. That's how I found out I was going to do it, <laughs> is by helping other speakers get out there into the masses. They don't have to tell me how much they make. I frankly don't care, but they do share it with me. Hey, Orly, I just made another 10 grand. That's great. I mean, I'm just happy for them. There's $100 billion out there. Right, Please, exactly. By all means, make more than me. I don't care. But uh, just tell me how many people you're touching so that we can make that number grow. Right now, we're at 47.2 million, and I hope by the end of this year that we are at 50 million plus. And I'm sure we are. It's just that I haven't done the final, the final count yet from people who have reported how many people they spoke in front of or how many people are in yes, their contact yes, base. So yes. that, that's how we're calculating it, yeah. So your energy and excitement is contagious, and that's, all par- <laughs> that's part of it too, isn't it? Uh-huh. I mean, you have to you have to be excited it. about yes, you have to be excited about what you're doing, so people sure. can you know pick up on that as well. And uh-huh. gosh, I want to get out and start speaking. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Just exactly. Listening to as you. you should, as everybody should. <laughs> I think everybody should be speaking. There's room for everyone, and there's plenty of events. Look, Orly cannot be at sixty-four thousand events in one day. You know what I mean? So <laughs> really? definitely, everybody can. Uh, you know, hop on the bandwagon and and learn how to do this business and then become extremely successful. Within a couple of years, uh, the multiple six figures is an easy catch. It's an easy way to do it. Well, you certainly make it sound easy, and I appreciate that. It really is. Yes. Look, it really is. When you know what to do, right? I mean, if you think about it, you're doing this show. I don't know how, how long you've been doing it. Um, you're, it's easy for you to do it. It's only time, right? It's time consuming. It's following up. It's all that stuff. But at the end of the day, you know how to do this. And public speaking is the same thing. It's just another business. It's, it's time consuming. It's a numbers game. But once you know how to do it, it's easy. It's just a, rep, you know, it's repeat, po- copy, paste, repeat, copy, paste. That's how easy it is. And that's how easy i make it too i mean i give it to you i give it to them on a silver platter that was my next Mm -hmm. question i'm sure that your course walks them through and you hold their hand until they get Uh it not only that they have me for life after they start getting booked so if they ever get a rebuttal from an event planner that they're not sure how to answer Mm. they can they still have me so i have clients from three years ago that still forward emails to me that say hey orly how would you respond to this oh because they got an email from an event planner and they just said no you know what maybe i should check with orly first and that's great because i'm kind of on the invisible advisory board that Mm -hmm. each person Mm -hmm. each one of my clients has and i stay there it's for life it's in the contract too that they have me for life at no extra charge it's just one time you know what i mean that's and cool you part. enjoy every minute of it. That is so evident. Absolutely. Yes, I do. <laughs> I enjoy when they have successes and yes. they send it to me, yeah. you know, and, and they say, oh, check, you know, I just got an email a few days ago from one of my clients. He's like, check this out. And he got offered a $5,000 deal with expenses and everything. plus. So that's great. Uh, I love the fact that they share those successes with me, you know. Now, this is maybe um, kind of a flip-sided question. If okay. someone is not a good speaker, 
how how do they do you recommend they co- get coached in another way to learn how to become a good speaker look we all started somewhere okay i was not a good speaker at first you should see the vid the, the first video i ever showed my business my my no my my speaking coach i showed him that and he said and this is what he did he covered his eyes and he said oh my god orly that's horrible <laughs> horrible and my heart fell into like you know the floor i mean you could have stepped and crushed my heart when he said that now that was years after i thought i was a good speaker oh my <laughs> so word here, but here is what i'm going to tell everyone that's listening it doesn't matter if you're good or you're bad or you i mean literally suck at speaking that you can work on with practice with time but if you have a good message, it doesn't really matter. Have you ever been to a seminar or, or a conference where one of the speakers was like you, you, you were fighting to stay awake and that you were wondering how they brought this person in and how much they paid them? Well, they had a good message regardless. They brought some good information into the fold. So don't, don't you know, um, buckle down on just saying, oh, well, I'm not a good speaker yet. Maybe I should perfect my speaking. No, get out there. Be a speaker. Get paid for it. With time, you will become better because it's like riding a bicycle. In the beginning, you're kind of, you know, wobbling around with, you know, trying to get your balance. Me, I've never learned how to ride a bike, so I can't really talk about it. But (laughs) it's the same thing as driving a car. You know, you push on the brakes too many times or whatever. After a while, you get comfortable. You get your self-confidence and and you, you build that. It's a muscle, just like anything. I would just not you know, be frozen in time thinking that I'm not a good speaker, I'm not good enough to get booked as a speaker. That is a false assumption. I appreciate that personally, and I also know that many people listening would appreciate that as well. Well, Orly, this has been exciting, stimulating, (laughs) motivating, interesting what else can i say oh my goodness uh, <laughs> thank you thank you thank you <laughs> and appreciate you know sharing your story appreciate how you know you you're doing both of these things between your book and mm-hmm. and and changing your life right to this whole business in a box for speakers this is mm-hmm. which is more exciting for you or do they, they kind of both they are both very exciting. Uh, I would say that now the business of public speaking is a lot more exciting because it's helping me with my goal of impacting people's right. lives. Right, okay. And, okay. and that, you know, that, that's really more exciting. Not that it'll take away from Mindset Mastery, although I don't coach any more people on, on Mindset Mastery. I just certify other coaches on that program I see. so that I they see. can teach it to other yes. people and impact Excellent. people's lives. Excellent. Yes, paying it forward that way. Well, that's awesome. Thank you, Orly, again for what you shared today. And we're going to definitely not only be promoting this, but I need to talk to you. (laughs) (laughs) All right. When you get all organized, you let me know. (laughs) This has been great. Thank you again for sharing. I never, ever give up hope. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. Did you know that most people succeed because they are determined to? Quitting was never an option. Carol loves your comments and will respond to each one. So please subscribe and review this podcast. A rating of five stars would be outstanding and appreciated. 
remember, if you are still here, there is always hope.